Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I have the privilege of interviewing Rachel McCune Keener. And what was really fun is on our Bluebells, wait, what is the name of that? Is it just Bluebells? Bluebells Forever. Yeah, on, well, on, I know, <laughs> but on the um, Facebook group, there's a Bluebells. Oh, group. Bluebells Union, something like that? Yeah, there's a few, there's quite a few, which is wonderful because I think up until a few years ago, I had no idea how to find anyone. You know, it's just part of my life that I didn't have much connection because people move, we get married, we don't have a way to find our friends. So when all these Facebook groups started popping up, it was so much fun. I think there's four. There's a Kelly Boys one, there's a Reunion, there's a Hello Hollywood. I think Jubilee has their own. And now they're kind of merging. Um, so yeah. on that group, I posted I would love to do an interview with mother-daughter. So coming up, I have um, Karina Burgess and her daughter, Savannah. And you had reached out, and I think there's more, way more. I would never known to ask this question until the reunion in Paris, that there's a lot of second generation bluebell yeah. dance. Absolutely. So I would love, I want to hear your story very much, so, but I would love to have it start with your mother's story and just what the stories that you may have heard and just about her career, because she goes back further, which are some of the stories that are yeah. harder to get a hold of. Yeah. So she auditioned for Blue back in 1950. So she was about 17 and she was a very strong dancer. She was five foot eight, natural redhead. And Blue took her over to the Lido. And she worked in the Lido for uh, about 18 months. And then Blue got a contract to take her show with an Italian celebrity called Van der And they did a tour of Italy, which was another 18 months. So Blue was very much mum to the girls on this tour and it was every four nights it was a different theater and this is when my mum first ran into Don Arden so Don Arden was choreographing at the time and my mum said he was great with the boys but he wasn't so much of a classical dancer it wasn't an awful lot of choreography it was more what we know Don for which is about staging and so he would say, we need something that moves them across the stage, you three here, you three there. And he would move people around the stage, but it wasn't necessarily with particularly um, intricate choreography. And Blue used to do the filling in on that. And at the time he was very young, very good looking, mum said. And he wasn't, he wasn't quite the loud, shouty person that we've come to know and love. He was, <laughs> a bit more patient. He used to get frustrated sometimes, but he was more patient. Um, he was always double checking with Blue, is this good? Does this look good? Is this, this right? And Blue in turn used to fuss around him all the time. Have you got everything you need? Are the girls okay? Are the boys all right? And he was very able to think on his feet because every four nights they went into a different theater. And so they had half a day rehearsal before the show would open. That meant the crew had to set the stage, but he had to restage pretty much every four nights because there would be a passerella or there wouldn't be a passerella. It would be a stage with a rake or it would be a stage with no depth. There would be tabs, there wouldn't be tabs. So it was very important that he understood also what went on backstage 
because you can't manage that type of show if you don't understand there's no dressing rooms. The dressing rooms are like a quarter of a mile away. How are you going to get the girls on? Where are they going to change? So he was very aware and very cognizant of the whole performance. Mm. But um, yeah, there were stories like my mum was a natural redhead and she got into a bit of a fight with Don because being a natural redhead in a lineup of girls that had their hair dyed red for the lineup, because the, the bluebells were divided into Les Bluebells Bond and Les Bluebells Rouge. And her hair used to show up a different color under the lights. And Don was like, you gotta dye your hair. And she said, I'm not dyeing my hair, Don. And he's like, you gotta dye your hair. It looks different under the lights, you're gonna dye it. And she's like, no, Don, you hired me the way I am. I'm not dyeing my hair. And they got into a real tussle. <laughs> so just crazy. But they used to pop in and out of the show and they were there a lot of the time and really took care of the girls. But it was a time of celebrity. My mum used to talk about Errol Flynn dropped in because he was filming in Italy and stories about he used to use a hypodermic filled with vodka to squirt into his oranges so he could have vodka and orange on the film oh. set. He, um, oh, he invited them to parties. Um, a millionaire courted my mother and on her 21st birthday, he bought her 21 magnums of champagne. So the show was a little bit tipsy that night. Oh my, Because wow. <laughs> she gave one to each of the girls. And then she gave the rest to the boys and some to the crew. So I can only imagine what that show was like. But <laughs> so how big was, do you know how big that cast was? Because if it's touring, it's not like a giant. Yeah, so six blondes, six rouge. And then they had the specialty acts. Um, just as we did when we were in um, Jubilee, they had the specialty acts. And it was really a show to show off this Italian celebrity, Vanda. And so it was built around her and nothing had to overshadow her. And <laughs> she was meeting her public. Uh, so she was going all the way around Italy and it was just post-war. So it was really a big event and uh, lots of publicity, lots of press. Yeah. Do you know, cause I know that there was the show at the Lido in Paris, like with the occupation, like I'm wanting to get back even some of those stories of what that was like, for those dancers, but I don't know if things took a break and then after the war, it starts back up and the tours were just, okay, now it's, I, it's good to yeah. go. I don't know. I think probably asking Patrick about that because I know Blue hid Libavisi and mum used to see Blue's husband around. He was around quite a lot. and He used to sit and joke with the English girls and what have you, whether that was in English or French, I don't know. But I know it was, she was, I mean, she was given the Légion d'honneur because of her work in the resistance and that she was very, um, well, I guess she supported France and she did her best for what she could do. But whether the show was running during the war or not, I'm, I don't know. Mm. But tough times, tough times, but it shaped yeah. her. It made her, you know, she was pretty, we all know that she was pretty tough. Yeah. So after the tour, did your mom, did your mom end up working at the Lido after? No. Or did she... So she was due to go to Finland because they just opened up Finland, surprisingly. So she was helping um, a minor celebrity who owned a bar and a restaurant in a local town in England. 
And this woman was like, you know, I, I bring the punters in because I have the most beautiful girls. So my mum was like, all right. And then she said to my mother, someone's been stealing. Can you help me do the books? And my mum said, yeah, okay, I'll help you do the books. So she was there for a couple of weeks and she was watching this one particular bartender and in walked the person who turned out to be my father. And it was oh. love at sight. So on the third day, that they went out with each other he proposed to her and she accepted oh that's a she sent a telegram to blue saying getting married sorry can't do the show <laughs> uh, i bet that ha more than like in the 80s i'm sure that's but i bet you back then that happened a lot like those girls it's such an amazing like oh. star kind of life and then it's like well now i'm gonna go get married and do that part so my dad lived in the tiniest little village. There wasn't anyone who wore makeup. And of course, mum was full slap all the time. Um, tiny waist, pencil skirt, you know, this little pixie cut with red hair. She was absolutely gorgeous. And it, my father said, oh, we'll, we'll go out to a dance. So she put on the, the green taffeta, full circle with the stilettos and what have you. And he took her to the local village hall. Oh. And she, she walked in. And the band kind of ground to a halt and everybody turned around to look at her. She said she'd never felt so overdressed in her life because she was, she was kind of expecting they were going to go into London, but no. Right. So, oh yeah. my gosh, I love that. That feels like that big life you live. It's sometimes it hard was. to tune that, tone, tone that down. Did yeah. you grow up hearing stories of your mom's dance career or see photos or what, or was it something oh, you Always. Oh, okay. Yeah dance school she had several studios but we had a home studio which was next to our house which was great for me but um the local newspapers would do articles and they'd say what was it like what was it like so in the 60s that she would recall the 50s for them and bluebell girls were so famous and there was newspaper articles where she talked about what she did but she was doing it because she had a very she wanted to raise money for various different causes so when she did shows all the costumes were handmade the mums used to get little packets where they were told sew this to that and stick this on the leotard and all that kind of thing but she would charge at the door but all the money would go towards local causes never made any profit yeah like helping the tennis club get their tennis court helping the club get a new roof it was all of that sort of thing very village orientated but she had, um, I would say at her height, she probably had about 200 pupils and she put about, gosh, they all went through their, their dance exams and she was a fab teacher, very firm, got great results, but yeah. So she was quite the local celebrity. I could not take time off school and go down the high street like all of my friends because everyone knew me and they would have told my mother. So I could never skip school. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a good perk. Did yeah. you grow up with your mother as your teacher? Yes. How was so, that? That was, I remember, oh, I can't have been, I was only just about two, but she used to say to me, go and stand at the back. And I would go at the back and I would copy the girls in front from, oh, I guess she was just watching to see if I had any inclination towards it and she was a great teacher she used to largely ignore me and then i get my corrections in the kitchen um and she used to say i can't i can't say how good you are in front of the other people and oh. you're not 
your class and they are. So I was largely ignored, but occasionally she would say, watch Rachel, this is how you do it. And I used to work so hard for her because the kitchen reviews were quite stern. So, um, <laughs> you know, you finish a class and she'd say, you need to pull your socks up, young lady. You're not doing this and you've got to do that and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was, um, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely, to be honest. So I'm assuming your mother was tall. I think that the, um, it's different, she, like I think she got taller as the yeah. years of, but did you think, did you get really tall, you know, early on? Because I feel like that's the story of a lot of girls want to pursue ballet. They're too tall for that life yeah. or to partner. So were you also in that? Well, yeah, scene? I was about five, eight when I was 14, but I wasn't tall. I was, when I got to the show, I was one of the shortest in the show. And, but I always had this look that made me look taller. And I remember when they stuck me in the kick line, I was between uh, Sandra Fettis and somebody else, and they were six foot. And it came to the kicks at the end, and I was lifted off my feet. It was hysterical. <laughs> no, I was what they called a short nude. And I, we all kind of, yeah, we were called dancing nudes, which didn't look good when you were going to open your bank account. So we got right. the title. But I was <laughs> one of the short to explain. I was a tall nude, so it also just sounds like we're just walking around on stage naked. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we were short nudes and we did all the kind of little weenie boppers. And we had 10 numbers in Jubilee and six of them were covered, four were were topless but we were the ones that were running around in little pleated skirts and jumping up and down and doing all of that crazy stuff but um yeah so I was quite short but I was tall within my peer group um and then I auditioned for Peter Baker who wasn't can we, go, can we go back a little bit yeah sure. did, did your mother like say hey this would be a really great career or did you want to <laughs> do what your mother did or was that happenstance no. I feel like that some mothers like don't do what I did or like this is so uh, great to be so neutral. I had, I was passing all my exams with honors and I was doing really well and I did tap and modern and jazz and all the disciplines. And I said, I want to go to dance school. And she was like, no. And so we raged a battle for a whole summer holiday day in and day out and she was like you have to have something substantial you're going to do commercial school you're going to learn type and do shorthand and you you're going to do and I was just no I'm not it was painful for that whole summer but I think if I hadn't had that I wouldn't have the resilience that you need sometimes when you're in that world and I and she said okay if you're that determined then you can go ahead but it was up until that point, I, it, she put every barrier, every barrier in front of me. And my father, bless him, he just backed away and said that it's between you and your mother. <laughs> do, you, do you think she was, a, does she just want you to have what we would consider a successful, stable life? Or was she worried about you in that career? Because I think when you told me before we started recording that she was saying blocking, blocking, but you should learn French. Like maybe that's yeah, a little that came from and it's I, perhaps it was a conflict in herself because it's not it's not a career that carries you through to your old age it's a skill that you have that you can use in different ways but being on stage as a bluebell girl you're not going to be there until your you know retirement age let's face it so I think she was looking at it from the other end of the the telescope and mm. with 
trying to give me perspective and I wasn't having any of it. There was no way. So what with that? And my godmother also worked for Blue. And my godmother was six foot tall. She was so glamorous, had her hair in a beehive, used to wear stiletto heels. So really, I had been brought up to do this and to have to fight to do it was quite surprising. But I'm glad I did. And she was glad that I did. Of course she was. She was pleased as punch. So. Mm. Well, did you just set out to, or, yeah, where did you audition and what did you even know of what was out there in that? Because different between the 50s and what the yeah. 70s, 80s, like Blue, 70s did it? Yeah, she used to run adverts in the stage every every so often when she was auditioning. And it was at that time, it was referred to Peter Baker, who was down on the South Coast. So you would go along and he'd do the screening sort of audition. If he decided that you looked like a bluebell girl and that you could dance, then you went up to the London audition. So I auditioned with Peter um, and he said, you're quite short. And I said, yeah, but I can dance. So we had a little tussle right from the very beginning because I was <laughs> like, I am not this genetic. What's your no. mind? going to stop me so I walked around in four inch stilettos everywhere I went it was just from that point forward so I walked into the audition with uh Blue and I can't think who else was with her bit of a blur really but I auditioned in three and a half inch stiletto heels because I that's I'm I'm not going to be the short one in this room and then she took us back and she said yes um okay so here's your contract it was so quick it was like yes you're in here's your contract and I was like I didn't realize I was actually going to Las Vegas until she put the contract in front of me oh was it specific for Jubilee or were they just cast a general casting for other shows or it was specifically for Jubilee they knew that the new show was going to be opening and she said, you better be a good dancer. And I'm like, I am. You know, you're very ballsy at that age, aren't you? And then um, I said to her, do you remember uh, Lillian Hornsby? That's my mother's maiden name. And she said, yes, of course I do. And I said, well, I'm her daughter. And she was like, oh, my goodness. And she was so sweet. And then she said, of course, you're not the first generation to be the second. And I was like, no okay and she said there's lots of others you know and I said well that's good lovely (laughs) she was um yeah she was really sweet and then when we got over to Las Vegas she dragged me in front of Don literally pulled me off the stage and said come and say hello to Don Don this is Rachel Rachel tell Don who your mother is (laughs) I said oh my mother was Lillian Hornsby do you remember goes yes of course I do and then there was this long pause and he goes, I thought she'd be dead by now. <laughs> was oh. like, You're joking. So he had, um, yeah, he'd become a little more acidy as he got older. Um, but yeah, he, he obviously, it took him back and he did remember and he remembered my godmother, uh, which was, yeah, it was nice. But it didn't make any difference. She still got hell from him. So yeah. Did your mother and your godmother, were they in a show together? Is that how she yeah. became your godmother? Yeah, best friends, absolute best. And she was very streetwise, my godmother. She was from London and my mother was not. She came from Surrey. And I think Stella just thought, you've got to stick with me, kid, because you're not going to, you know, 
you're not going to survive if you don't. But I think my mum was very level-headed, even though, you know, Errol Flynn was hanging around and Oscar Peterson and there was lots of jazz and all that kind of debauchery that went on backstage. So <laughs> good times, good times. Maybe that, maybe that was a little bit of your mother's hesitation for you to enter into that world too. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. So what you you go to Jubilee? How much time did you even have? Like, here's your contract. Was it like get your stuff? You're on a plane, or did you have like a few weeks or months to get ready? Um, no, I only had a couple of weeks, and that was uh, back in the day when you had to. You know, it was. Uh, I went up to the American Embassy to get the visa sorted out. I had the contract, uh, so you got an H two workers permit and you had to stand in line and wait and then you got your visa back and then you had to let Peter Baker know that everything was okay because they couldn't guarantee that you were going to uh, get through but once you had done that then that was it you're you're in you're fine so that was easy and then it was just pop on a plane um, and they when we were told there will be photographs when you get off the other end so it was okay, so you've got to try and pull yourself together to get there. <laughs> no one looked good getting off a plane if the long No, <laughs> but you did. Um, and Blue was already over there, so she was meeting people at, in Las Vegas airport, which was tiny back then. It was super, super small. McCarran had like, I mean, we had to have steps down from the plane. There was no getting off the ramp or anything like that. Yeah. So kind of crazy but yeah no it was good um and then when we went into rehearsals this was before the fire so we rehearsed and a hallelujah was still running so the poor girls that were in the show they were doing the show at night twice a night and doing rehearsals during the day which were long intense dramatic oh, uh, lots of drama, um, lots of martinis on the top table. So there was Bill DeAngelis, Don Arden and Blue um, and some of the designers and they were having a good time. But it didn't always mean that we were. So there were a few drop the mic moments, uh, but it was, it was brilliant. We worked with Winston DeWitt Hemsley. We worked with Rich Rizzo, amazing choreographers. And when wow. things and they would kind of step in and add a bit of humor to it. And I loved that camaraderie. And that is why I think the Jubilee people, we went through that and we went through the fire. And I think that's why I'm still in touch with people that I worked with in 1980. I mean, really in touch with them, not just, oh yeah, I remember you, but, mm. And I recall the people that didn't come back after the fire as well, because we were sent home after the fire uh, with the promise of coming back. But some girls went on and got contracts elsewhere, but I still remember them. But yeah, it was, it is that, and you know yourself, Sherry, that it is a unifying experience when you work backstage with people and it just makes that camaraderie and that group of people, you feel like a special unit. So it's lovely and we still get together and you say hello to people on Facebook all the time. And you know, some of my best friends are in far flung places, but you stay in touch. And when you meet up, it's like, you've never, you've never been away from each other. And do you know what the stupid thing is? You still remember the routines after all this time you're still going, yes, okay, I know this one, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. How do you remember these things? That's crazy. I think it's when, 
that how long did you do jubilee because i think sometimes the longer you do it those muscle memories oh so i was there for about four and a half five years and that was that was great and because we were taught by the choreographers i think it was extra special for us the captains rehearsed new people in brilliantly don't get me that wrong but watching this choreography coming out of these amazing people was such a special experience. And when they were saying, attitude, give me head, give me shoulders, give me, you remembered those things when you were on stage. And I think we, we benefited from that and our performance benefited from that. Because I so, came into Hollywood after it had been running, I think like a year and a half. Yeah. And there is something that they had that camaraderie because they opened the show together. They had those long rehearsals. They had the drama. They had the having to take care of each other when there is drama. But when you come in new, you're trying to find your place. But those people have the relationship. But I thought everybody was wonderful of welcoming new dancers. So you, you do find your place. But you can tell the ones who have been there from the beginning definitely have something unique because they did it together and they worked with the choreographers and they worked with the directors where we're learning it from one person and being put in the show. But I hear, I love the stories of the people that were actually there at the beginning, even those long, arduous, like rehearsals that are killing yeah. your body. There's something to go, oh, yeah, we did that. We, we really worked our butts off. And of course, it wasn't just us that were rehearsing. It was all the crew as well. So the stagehands, the, some of the, the drops that were coming in for Jubilee, they were tons in weight and there was no electrical at all it was all manhandling the ropes and bringing the drops in and out and they were scared to get it wrong because it would have endangered us but they rehearsed as much as we did and you know forgetting to bolt down things so that when you ran up the stairs to get on them that there was it wasn't anchored and stuff like that it was it was interesting but they worked so hard backstage and particularly people that were there from the beginning to the end like Billy Rush and uh, some of the other guys they are we still remember them because they were part of the team too so yeah I, I think because that I was in Hello Hollywood which was about 150 in the cast of the I think it diminished over time they kind of were cutting it back but I felt like the way that we were in contact with the wardrobe the wigs our dressers felt very much they were part of it where I've seen in shows where they just kind of come in and out and take care of the performers as opposed to be part of it. Cause I, I feel like I've heard that from other shows too, that you, you know, you were friends with the dressers in the wardrobe and you, and yeah. you knew the stage crew and you, yeah, you, you converse with them and you, you know, you do social things together too, instead of it being separate where I think some shows people come in and out so fast, they don't even learn the name of the people backstage, no. but you have this whole collaborative thing that everybody's very much there and every single part of that is important that the whole show needs each thing to be excellent so you knew who was doing wigs and you'd pop your head in and go can you make mine super tight or mine's falling apart what can i do it looks awful and the the dresses were fabulous and i have friends that are um used to work in wardrobe i have people who were in wigs and they are all friends and because we were rehearsing when um, how we uh, went dark that meant we could all go out after rehearsals <laughs> so <laughs> stands and everybody we all used to go out together so that was nice and then you don't see people during the show but 
show break, he'd be backstage and chatting and it was, it was really good. And the um, assistant company manager, Michael, he would hold ballet classes. So some people would do ballet and there were special little shows that used to get put on for corporations. And there was one where we all dressed up like bottles for Hugh Blind Corporation. So we all had bottles that were plastic perspex with like the vodka label on it or Captain Morgan's rum on it and walking <laughs> walking down the staircase looking like a bottle of vodka. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of extra things you could do. So you weren't bored, but there was other performances and, and galas yeah. that they would they would hire the dancers for. So it always kept it interesting. Yeah. Uh, I would love because going back to the opening of the show, you got to work with Pete Menifee and Bob Mackey. Yes. And like the just saying that when people will talk about share, like, oh yeah, that's who designed these costumes. Like that is the, that's the caliber. So can yeah. you talk about that? Like getting fitted and working with them because you're seeing, this is your first show, right? And you're getting to see yeah. what you're going to wear yeah. and you're going to balance on your head. And oh, so Don said, you're being fitted for your finale. So it was just sort of one by one. Um, and you go downstairs and Bob had had all of your measurements because you had to measure head you know your neck everything and uh, so there was a sketch with my name on it which I have a reproduction of and that's up in my bedroom so oh. uh, he it was a mine was green and it was known as the pyramid and it was the headdress itself was 17 and a half pounds in weight the span of oh. the feather was wider than the span of my arms and it was very um top heavy <laughs> yeah but, he put it on he said I've chosen this for you and he explained how to wear it and how to walk with it and how to take care of it and don't break the feathers and what have you but he was the nicest man Sherry he probably made every woman feel like a million dollars because when he was fitting it on me he said you just look gorgeous in this you have a great chest I love your shoulder line this is going to suit you so well this is how you wear it and he was just, he made you feel amazing. And he said, the sequins and this and that and the other. And he said, this whole costume is worth $60,000. And you're like, I'd never even heard anyone say $60,000. Wow. But he was the nicest man, the kindest, kindest guy. And of course, because the show was opening, we couldn't, and all these costumes were so beautiful. We couldn't take photos. So the first thing you want to do, and of course we didn't have smartphones then, but the first thing we wanted to do is, hey, you know, take a picture, send it back to mom. But you had to sneak in the beginning. You had to sneak taking photos. They got a little bit more relaxed, but Fluff Laco was our company manager and she would walk through the dressing room and say, I hope that isn't a camera I can see. <laughs> but that was all. Oh, in the days when Fluff used to smoke and we all used to smoke backstage. With feathers. With feathers. But then <laughs> after the show, after the fire, <laughs> we could only smoke in the in the actual washrooms. So yeah, we didn't but yeah, Fluff was very rarely seen without a cigarette during rehearsal. Bless her. Um but yeah. It's so it was hard seen now because it's even hard to imagine. Because no, you have to go outside for, you know, it's just like when you see movies of people smoking on planes, like that looks so bizarre. So here you guys are breathing heavy, rehearsing, people smoking. And yeah. I think you even heard to the top table too, like the more, uh, 
it wasn't margaritas. It was something the more something that the more Don oh. changed in how he was <laughs> dealing with you guys. You could okay, he's into is it martinis, his third martini. There would be Bill D'Angelo's blue fluff, sometimes Michael, but Michael was mainly being very helpful with us. Um, and so he would go out on show, in between because we'd have a break in rehearsals and he'd go and have a few martinis and then there'd be a few martinis on the table and it could swing. You never knew with Don, was he going to be happy martini or was he going to be grumpy martini? So you always tried your hardest and you were trying to attract his attention, but at the same time, not attract his yeah. attention. So you really wanted to be good. So he would go, yeah, you got it. Well done. But you didn't want to be noticed for something that shouldn't be happening. So there's lots of Don stories and I'm not, because the, the, the guy isn't here to defend himself. I'm not going to tell all the stories. Right. But he's just, um, if he ever yelled at you, you would never forget it for the whole of your life. So you just kind of like know your stuff, do your thing, smile, turn it out and just get on with it. And, you know, and he, but it was funny when it came to opening night, we had Gene Kelly with us on opening night and Gene what? walked. Yes. Okay, I have done a moment. I'm almost like, I'm not, as, I'm not starstruck. That one does it for me. Is the, oh, oh I, okay. I, Continue. I, I grew up with Gene Kelly and oh, so when he was standing side stage, we were some of the first nudes that were on and he was a perfect gentleman. Look you straight in the eye, doesn't look at your boobs, all of that sort of thing, you know, the measure of the man. Right. And he walked front of tab to of the red curtain to introduce and to say, this is the MGM spectacular and what have you. And I just, I remember saying, Mr. Kelly, and he said, call me Jean. I'm like, oh. and he's like, I, you're amazing. And I love all your movies. And that was all I could manage. I was like a blithering idiot, you know, but he was just, he was super. So he opened our show, but Don was really nervous. Don was standing at the side and I've never seen Don nervous, but he was really nervous. And he used to wear these white patent slip on shoes and his trousers were a little bit too short in my taste but but he pacing up and down he was saying you're going to be great it's going to be fantastic but he was like smoking 19 to the dozen but yeah <laughs> we had donald o'connor came to our show so we both, we both got a little bit of singing in the rain and that was that. yeah and sammy yeah. davis jr because like coming from a smaller town and like vegas was already i auditioned for vegas moved to reno but when they're just right there in front of you like backstage like sammy davis jr was buying a champagne and tap dancing for us we're like this is my life. Like, this is, do you have time to soak it up or not be like, you know, or just like, Oh, that's just normal. You know, that Gene Kelly is there for opening nights. Sam was, Sammy was wonderful. Um, I had a nice chat with him because in 1981, he'd been in London and it was just after, uh, Diana had married Charles. So London was still all dressed up and we had stayed up watching on really bad television in Las Vegas, but really bad. We'd watched the wedding and I, it had made me homesick. So asking him about it and he was saying how wonderful London looked and had a good old chat. And then his wife said, come on, Sammy, you got more. So he said, I'm sorry, I have to let you go now. But we talked about England. We were all bubbly. Yeah, oh, he was really loved him. And he put on a fabulous show for show people. So we all went over to Caesars after the second show and he, it was the most amazing magical show. 
just incredible. What a, I was so fortunate. I saw him and Dean and Frank and it was just incredible. Yeah. So, so you have this life that's very glamorous and celebrity is not a big <laughs> yeah. thing. Did you, did you continue on after Jubilee or what was your, your choice? Yeah. So, so I know your mother met her guy while she's keeping the books. <laughs> yeah. Keeping the books. So I uh, left and I went up to Canada and I married a Canadian, fully intended to carry on working, but then got homesick and decided that I was, I wanted to be a mother and we moved back to England. So I taught for the local um, further education. I used to teach jazz and tap and I did that for many years that was good fun but always at the back of my mind I was like oh I miss I miss performing but you know you step away and you have a child and you do the family thing so I did that and then um when it became difficult to judge juggle family etc I took a complete break and tried to just be normal. So being normal when you have not been normal for a long time, it's quite hard. So I joined a company that was uh, based in Milwaukee, but I worked for them in London. And I was told um, to take being a dancer off my resume. Oh. Uh, don't mention that you were a showgirl in Las Vegas because the people from Milwaukee wouldn't appreciate it. So I spent years just going, oh yeah, I've always lived in England and just denying it. So it was quite freeing when I left that company, just go, yeah, my friends, close friends, I used to say, of course, this is what I used to do. And they go, oh, I won't tell anyone, I promise. But yeah, so then after that, I worked for successive companies and I worked in learning and development. So I help people who perhaps have not had a good academic background, but are in corporate world. And I help mm -hmm. them become and managers and I write and design courses and I do Myers-Briggs assessments and I really? do coaching and counseling and all that sort of thing to make people better leaders. So love all that. But now divorced husband number one, amicably, absolutely fine. And I married a guy that I was in love with when I was in Las Vegas, who was a security guard. But yeah, so we, we didn't get together when we were there, but I just, I knew that he was like a special person. And then over the years, like I said, all the Jubilee people stayed in touch and um, he came over in 1996 I think it was and we had chats and we had a good time and then he went back and then I met him in Florida I'm too busy got my daughter got an elderly mother to look after you know her dancing days were long past her da, da, da. and then my mother sadly passed away and I thought right okay I am going to go back to Las Vegas I took my daughter to Las Vegas she saw the show which was nothing like it was when it opened but she saw yeah. the show I went on to California and I rang him and I said, Hey, I'm in California. You want to meet up? Let's have a drink together. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this man remembers me from when I was 19, 20 years old. And we had the best time. So then I come back here and we Skype 
I managed to figure out how to get him to Skype and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how it happened, but we just decided that we were going to get married. So Jim left California, left Las Vegas, and he and I have been married for three years. And everybody's like, God, that was quick. And I'm like, you're joking. I knew him for 1981. It's taken him ages. So. <laughs> oh, Rachel, this, that's, that's an amazing story. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, and I think it's like when you had to like take that off your resume, there's something that kind of hurt my heart. Because obviously I understand the corporate world. That would probably detract people if you were interviewed. But it's also taking away a really par beautiful part of your life. So to have this person that knows you from that part instead of like, you minus that. I think that's just so incredibly beautiful. Yeah. So your, your daughter did not want to dance. So you don't have a third generation, but has she heard your stories as well? Like how you're, yeah. you know your mother's? So she grew up with all the stories of her, her grandmother used to tell her. And then she heard all of my stories. And then when she got to Las Vegas, she saw the show. And when we walked out of the show, I was feeling... I don't know how I was feeling because it had changed so much. Health and safety had come into play. So that, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot. And certain hats had been retired. Mine was one of them, not the big pyramid, but the Samson and Delilah hat, which was just considered too rocky. I wore it. Right. <laughs> I got We're really tougher. good muscles, yeah. Um, and we walked out and I said, are you, are you okay? Because she was really quiet and she just burst into tears. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, I never knew. And I said, what, what do you mean you never knew? I said, I've told you all of this. And she said, I thought it was going to be like a school play with like people dropping boxes off stage and people forgetting what they were doing. She said, I never knew that it was so oh. big, that you were so special. And she was in tears. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think it's, like, I would love for my daughter to go to the Lido with me to shore. Like, if she's seen video, and so I know she appreciates it, but to see the real thing, and then I know, like, hearing um, Natalia, who I just interviewed, for her daughter to go to the Lido, and, and, and then for her yeah. husband to see that, too, and go, that's what you did. And then Savannah and Karina, I think it's just, it's so beautiful, because I think, you know, you can be a mother to them, and they don't realize you had a life before that. It's like, you're there just to be their mom. And so, yeah. for her to so see it I saw Savannah. I guess that was a couple of years ago now, but I went over to see some friends. So there was some people from um, the States came over and we met up with someone that we'd worked with in Las Vegas. So uh, we went to see the show and Savannah's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Mm, yeah. She's so elegant and so lovely and hats off to her. She owns that stage. She really does. She's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Mm. Great dancer. Were you there for the reunion last summer? Did you go for the... No. No, I couldn't. I'd only just got married. So yeah. was, <laughs> there, were, there were other priorities, but yeah, do another one in five, 10 years time. Definitely. I'll be there. Yeah. As soon as we, before we were done, we're already asking when's the next one. Cause it, it's so wonderful to have people that know what that life was like that you don't have to like, how do I even, you know, tell these yeah. stories. Um, so your mother did get to see you in Jubilee though, right? Yeah. So it she is. got to her daughter do yeah different, different show but same same working for bluebell still yeah. yeah she didn't meet up with blue because blue wasn't over when mum was there but they treated her so well so the first time she saw the show she was given this rubbish seat right down on the edge of the stage um 
and I said to Bill DeAngelis, oh, my mom's here, you know, and he's like, but it's New Year's Eve, she'll get slaughtered because Las Vegas New Year's Eve was crazy. So they said, bring her out to the lighting booth. So she saw the show from the lighting booth, heard all the comments of everything that was going on. And um, she was in hysterics and they plied her with goodness knows how many margaritas. She had a great time. (laughs) She saw the show several times while she was there. And then she came back a couple of years later and she saw the show when it had settled in. Um, so I think we were all slicker. I think it was a lot tighter. It got tighter as uh, the, the show went on. Um, uh, and she loved it. Absolutely loved it. So yeah, very special. That's Having just the show. It's great. Yeah. And you'd already heard her stories. Did that, did her seeing the show bring up even more of her memories to share with you? <laughs> I think it was such a different show. Jubilee was really Busby Barkley. It was just huge. And her yeah. show had been smaller. So there were the six girls, there were the topless girls, but she didn't used to talk about the topless girls. They were considered show girls and they were quite different. And I think there was only about four of them. Hmm. And it was quite conservative. And of course, Italy was being a Roman Catholic country. That was not, that was not the thing. So I think the show was just so different and mum was just overwhelmed with the extravaganza of it. But mm. she used to make me smile because she'd say fishnet tights and high heels and, you know, we had those things in common. And quick changes and hair up, hair down, wig on, wig yeah. off, that kind of stuff. So well, we could both do our makeup in like three seconds flat, you know, stick the eyelashes on, do the lips, get the eyebrows, off you go. It's that kind of thing. So, yeah. But you said you also did the makeup the way your mom did with the, oh, the winged yeah. eyelashes. <laughs> so I think Blue probably taught her how to do her makeup, but she was always, when I was young, she would always wear foundation, eyebrows, do the eyeliner with the little wings at the side. And so... I remember sitting up in bed next to my mum and she'd get the makeup bag out and she taught me how to do my makeup. And my father sitting the other side would say, what are you doing? She's too young. And my father would say, she's going to wear makeup so she might as well learn to do it properly. So when I got <laughs> over to the there was, um, we had our first makeup and lighting and somebody had used a bit too much pan stick and you can't push it around your face. It just ends up looking like muddy puddles. So Blue said to me, sort her makeup out for me, will you? So I was like, okay. She said, I can tell your mother's taught you how to do your makeup. And of course for Jubilee by then, we're all about, you have to have brown eyeshadow. You can't have blues and greens. We want you to have red lips. You can't have oranges. So there was a certain look that Don wanted for his girls. And, you conform for the first few months and then it gets a bit crazy with I'll put some gold on here and I'll have a little highlighter there. (laughs) But there was a look that they wanted definitely. So yeah. Fabulous. I'm so glad that you um, reached out because this has been so fun. There's just so many beautiful pieces of that, the mother daughter thing and then your daughter appreciating it and just finding your husband at this stage in life too is so wonderful because you're different at near 19 and than when you are when you've actually lived a lot of life and to have someone in that place with you that knows both parts of you just feels really beautiful it's absolutely it's like i don't know it's kind of like perfect perfect ending although it's not an ending i still do amateur shows and you do. i still yeah um i do tap and modern 
with old people. Of course, I'm not old, but you know, I'm the same age. <laughs> and so we do these crazy shows and they get nervous and they get so nervous they can't smile. And they're like, oh, I can't even look at the audience. And I'm like, well, yes, that's, they're there for you. And they're like, you never get nervous. And I'm like, well, it would be kind of strange if I did, but, and they're like, you never forget anything. And I'm like, that's also be strange if I forgot things. So <laughs> they get out there and they're like, I suddenly turn right, turn left. And they're, they're gone. I don't know where they are. So, yeah. So we're, we're going to wrap up, which is always hard because I feel like I could just go on for, because now I want, now everything you told me makes me want to have 17 more questions. <laughs> but, but what's, um, because you're still teaching and, and creating, which is beautiful. So from what you've learned from that part, your resume, instead of it being divided is one long continuous thing. All your leadership skills is all part of everything. What is it you think that you bring to these women that you're teaching that comes from your experience and love of what you got to do in your 20s? Self-belief. Really? Yeah. yeah. Because you have to believe in yourself to be able to get up and dance and perform and to be an entertainer. And you have to have that when you are in corporate life as a female, you have to believe that you can do this. And you need someone who believes that you can do that. And I'm always there for them, always. And if they get stuck, then they pick up the phone or they email me. And I know they can do it, but they have this imposter syndrome, like, oh, I can't do this. And I'll, it's kind of like talking someone down from the ledge because they're like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And you just, you can do this. You have, and when I'm talking, it's almost as if I'm standing on that stage talking to them. And I'm saying, come up on the stage with me because it's different. When you believe, everything is different. That gave me chills, made me tear up a little bit. Because I can see that in what your, your job is of helping people with leadership. They're very similar. Mm -hmm. And like, instead of like, and even maybe even go back to Bob Mackey, instead of like when people like, just make the cost. I've been in those shows. Make the costume work. It doesn't matter if it's breaking your neck. It doesn't matter if it's missing. <laughs> But like, it's that invitation to come up on the stage with me. It just feels like that's definitely a through line. Yeah. And then even making space for your daughter to not be the third generation, but to get to have a step on her stage and like, yeah, yeah. letting people sign because it you know, was given to you and your mother got to experience that. Such a privilege. I've, it's such a privilege. Yeah. I think it's been very tender talking to everybody because I think there's a part of us that has kind of gone the wayside that's really sweet to touch back in with and go, that was really important. It was really a privilege yeah. and it actually changed my whole life. So I feel like everybody I talked to, we were feeling it in the heart. It's just not like, oh, I'm just telling you a story. It's like, this is, this is who we are. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh, you're just a beautiful human. I love this interview and it was fun because I don't know the most recent um, interviews or people I don't know. The first ones were people that I did know and that's what's been fun. I feel like it's expanding and I'm getting to meet more and more amazingly wonderful people. So that's the thing. This podcast will go on if nobody's listening because I still like, I still love, I love getting to meet people that have the similar life, but very different. Well, experience. we're family. Yeah. You just work with Blue and your family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Rachel, best to you and, and uh, congratulations on your new marriage and your job and that you're just Thanks. continuing create beauty so yeah invite i mean i love that line inviting people to step on the stage with you yeah. you take care of yourself Mary. it's been oh, great thank you i'm gonna be bugging you for some photos because i want to see pictures of you and your mom 
I will. I will. Okay. I promise. Take care. Bye. Bye.